Welcome to the Keep Idaho Red Radio Show, where you'll hear from national, statewide, and local Republican leaders about the issues that are most important to Idahoans today. Now, please welcome Tom Luna and Vic Miller. Welcome to another episode of Keep Idaho Red Radio. You're listening to KIDO 107.5 FM, 580 AM, and KLIX in the Magic Valley. And uh, right now we're going to be joined by our good friend, uh, Brent Crane. And Representative Brent Crane. How you doing? Brent Crane, District 13, seat A, is eighth term. Well done, sir. And uh, again, he's been chosen to be the chair of probably one of the most important committees in the House, and that's the State Affairs Committee. And of course, his family has been in business for many, many years, Crane Alarm Systems, and uh, so he's on the Business Committee, which blesses the Business Committee, and he's also part of the Ethics and House Policy Committee. Good morning to you, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, uh, Brent Crane. Good morning, guys. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, and, and Vic, you forgot one thing. He's now uh, playing kind of the big brother in, in, in a good way. All right. He's got a, a, another crane serving in the state of Idaho. Yeah, tell us what that's like now that you have sen- uh, seniority. At one point, your dad had seniority in your home. Now you have seniority in yeah. your home. Tell us a little bit about uh, What's the pecking brother order Jared? Thanksgiving? Yeah. Well, uh, Jaron's going to do a great job. I've been in business with him now uh, for a number of years and, and been able to watch him develop as a young leader. And uh, he told me a couple of years ago he was interested in running for the legislature, but wanted to wait till a seat came open. And uh, with redistricting, that created an opening in his area where he lives, which is on the western side of Nampa. And so um, he's going to serve District 12. I'll be serving District 13. But it's an interesting dynamic um, having someone you know that you work with now uh, every day. We typically talk business. Now we find ourselves talking politics quite a bit and bringing him up to speed on, you know, how things work in the Idaho legislature and, and uh, what you can best do to serve your constituents. Well, you should know that we've been meeting um, with a number of the uh, Ada County legislators as we prepare to see what um, bills and topics are likely to come up in the next session. And uh, your brother's name has come up, and um, he is already yes. well-respected. So yeah. well done, sir. The, well, well the you. Crane family has given so much to the state of Idaho, so just uh, make sure you let your, your folks know. And now, uh, with your brother serving, uh, excited to see this uh, going forward. But let's jump into some of the issues, Vic. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about um, the State Affairs Committee, where you're chair again uh, this term. Uh, talk a little bit about, just remind people, please, Representative Crane, chair of the State Affairs Committee, what is the State Affairs Committee? Like, what comes before that committee and makes it unique? Well, let me back up a little bit, first of all, and explain the committee process. So we have what we call major committees, and then we have minor committees. Major committees meet in the morning every single morning. Uh, minor committees meet every other afternoon. And so the major committees are uh, JFAC, Joint Finance and Appropriation Committee, Health and Welfare, Education, Revenue and Taxation, and State Affairs. So if it doesn't fall in Education, Revenue and Taxation, Health and Welfare, or JFAC, it typically defaults into State Affairs. So uh, we deal with liquor, we deal with lottery, we deal with election law, we deal with every social issue, gay rights, rights, abortion. Um, we deal with anything that doesn't fall in, in those particular subject matters, they, they end up coming to state affairs. And so it's one of those committees where you have the ability to, to, to deal with a lot of 
uh, different topics. If you're on the education committee, you're dealing strictly with education. Uh, that's not the way with state affairs. And so you end up getting a really well-rounded legislator. But you also have to have someone that can uh, handle the heat because there's a lot of you know gun issues and constitutional issues that go through there. A lot of... A lot of uh, um uh, very emotional issues that can go through there, right? And I, I you know, um, yep. I, and, and you see that play out. How how are those committee members chosen? Are they um, uh, made up of different? Uh, well, yeah, just how are those committee members chosen for state affairs? So the way it happens in the House is uh, in, in usually late October, early November, uh, leadership sends out a letter and says, hey, welcome, you know, after you've been elected, hey, welcome. Um, here's a list of committees. Please select uh, your one, two, and three preferences for morning committees as well as two afternoon committees. And then leadership looks at that and says, hey, you know, here's the people that want to be on state affairs. They try to balance that out regionally if they can. Um, and then also I, I talk to members um, and say, hey, is this something that you would be interested in serving on? Is this a committee you'd be interested in? And uh, leadership has been gracious enough to me, uh, both under Speaker Bedke as well as Speaker Moyle, to allow me to have a lot of input as a chairman as to who I think should serve on that committee, because it does take a special person. In my, in my 16 years there, I've seen people that do really, really well with those issues, and I've seen people that absolutely struggle. And uh, you don't want to have to start your day off every single morning with highly emotional, very, um, you know, these are, as I tell people, you're going to be on TV a lot. So if you can't deal with that type of stuff and have, you know, the media in your face and people in your face a lot, then it's probably not going to be a good committee for you. So I will, I'll talk to those new members coming on and, and, you know, get a feel for them and see if they'd be a good fit for state affairs and then make my recommendations to leadership as well. Representative Crane, um, you have 50% of the House, roughly, are new members. Um, And I've heard, for example, in revenue and taxation, I think 70%, almost 70% of that committee are basically new members. How, um, what, what does that break down in your committee? I have got the smallest morning committee with 13 members. Three of them are new. One is a minority member to our majority members. And so uh, we didn't see a lot of turnover. In fact, that's one of the things that um, was talked about. Even though it's a very difficult committee to serve on, they're like, Crane, you didn't have a lot of turnover on your committee. Right. Um, And so, you know, um, it's not going to be as difficult for us because we will be able to bring those new folks up to speed on the issues fairly quickly. They'll be able to watch the experienced lawmakers um, make law. And, and deal with those typical issues, and they will see how we deal with them. Um, I typically am one of those individuals that tries to keep the emotion out of it. Let's keep, you know, just to the facts, ma'am, here's the issues. Right. Let's talk about the issues. So whether it's a lawmaker that gets off track or whether it's a member of the public or a lobbyist, uh, the job of the chairman is to keep the emotion under control and keep the committee, you know, focused and going forward. And so it's really nice not having that many new members because they will really be able to get to learn the ropes really well. So... <clears throat> Chairman uh, Crane, you know, and let's look about the, um, you talked about some of the emotional issues. In the past, you've had, in the abortion issue uh, specifically, we've had the trigger law, we've had the heartbeat bill, um, and obviously we've we've signed these into law. So what do you expect? Do you expect anything new to come up in on that, any uh, legislation to either enhance that or push back against that. What are you expecting on that particular issue? 
Well, with respect to the heartbeat law, um, it's in place. There's no lawsuits that have been filed against it. Right. But there have been lawsuits filed against the trigger law, and specifically one portion of the trigger law, and that's the definition of life of the mother. And so I would not be a bit surprised to see the legislature go in and take a look at that particular section, the life of the mother exemption, and say, how do we want to deal with that? Is there some way that we can change the current law that would uh, mitigate the lawsuit and therefore save the taxpayers a lot of money? At the same time, making sure that we can do everything we can to protect as many lives as possible, including the mother. And so that's going to be a very difficult issue. Everybody uh, that I have dealt with on the Republican ticket uh, for 16 years has been pro-life. But now when the court says, hey, look, you as the states are now going to determine how pro-life you are and where you're going to draw that line for your state, it's been very interesting as lawmakers have had to wrestle with that. Um, you know, some people say, hey, there's, there should be no exemptions. Other individuals say, I think the exemptions for rape, incest, life of the mother are reasonable accommodations because that uh, outlaws abortions, 96% of the abortions. So those type of conversations and um, topics are coming up with lawmakers right now. But I, I really think that the only thing that we'll probably deal with is the life of the mother exemption. As I've said to people, you've had a court precedent for the past 50 years that has made abortion a legal right. Although I disagreed with the court in that decision, that's what's been. And so whenever you have a major a seismic shift in, in a policy like that, you need to give people time to acclimatize and adjust to that new policy. And so, if you know, Idaho, and we were smart in 2020, we put the trigger law in place, and so we were already ready to go. But if you start making major wholesale changes now, then, then you know, the, the citizens are getting whipsawed back and forth trying to figure out what what's going on here and, and really what is the law. And so I've advocated to my colleagues, let's let these laws go into place. Let's let's see how they work. And already the court has told us, hey, we think you've got a problem with the life of the mother exemption. OK, let's work to find a, a reasonable accommodation that uh, everybody can agree with. You know, uh, Vic and, and uh, Representative Crane, I remember when we had David Ripley on with Idaho Chooses Life uh, after the Supreme Court decision on overturning Roe versus Wade. And he, he made the comment. He said the hard work begins now. Uh, and that's what you've alluded to. Representative Crane is now all 50 states are going to go through what uh, the process I was going uh, through and actually um, agreeing on, um, uh, you know, the the pro-life supporters agreeing on what a law uh, should be that represents their views of pro-life. And it's going to be it's going to be very, very interesting. And uh, and it'll play out in your your committee. I I wanted to shift gears real quick, um, Representative. And um, we had the mayor of Star in. We've had other uh, law enforcement people and mayors in and more and more of them talking about the issue of fentanyl and um, and and there's talk now of a, of a bill uh, coming to the legislature to deal with uh, you know um, strengthening our laws on fentanyl is that a bill that would work through, start in your committee uh, dealing with that or would that be somewhere else and then uh, and also your thoughts on on how we deal with that so, yes, uh, we were called in October to a meeting with the Nampa uh, Police Department, and they laid out a series of issues that are happening specifically in Nampa, but they've been working with uh, Fraternal Order of the Police across the state of Idaho. Fentanyl is one of those issues, and um, it's not being talked about a lot 
Um, but, but quite frankly, the border crisis is causing a, a fentanyl crisis as well. And it's hitting across all socioeconomic uh, barriers. It's, it's hitting everybody. And so they are uh, recommending a tweak to the law. It will go to the Judiciary and Rules Committee um, to deal with that. I think there was strong support in that room. I don't anticipate really any pushback on that particular issue. Uh, but they also raised the issue of sex trafficking, that it is, there is an uptick now in sex trafficking that's happening, uh, specifically in the Treasure Valley. And so they have legislation that they would like to work with on that. That legislation probably would come to my committee. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, and what they're going to do with the fentanyl is um, there's, a, there's a limit to the amount of um, the grams that you can have in possession before um, you're incarcerated, right. and so yeah, that's what they're gonna they're gonna lower that limit that you can have. Representative Crane, we've got about a minute left. Any thoughts on do you see any election um, oriented uh, issues coming to your committee? Well, the national stuff is driving uh, the conversation on election integrity. Idaho's in pretty good shape. I'd give us a B plus. Uh, that's where we are with with election law. There's some stuff that we still need to do. Um, and yes, there is going to be some tweaks to election law that's going to come forward. Um, already had members of the committee talk to me and, and then other folks that, that says, hey, there's some things that we need to tighten up. And I agree with them. There are some things that we need to do. And so we will we will be taking a look at Idaho's election process and what can we do to make it transparent, fair and secure. And I think that those are the things that you have to keep in mind as you're crafting policy with regards to election law. Well, a warm, uh, happy new year to yes. the Crane family. And we just appreciate the multi-generational support that and work you've done on behalf of Idahoans. And uh, Merry Christmas to you, Representative Brent Crane. Good luck in the 2023 we'll session. We'll have you back soon. We'll have you back soon. And uh, we'll be right back with Superintendent of Public Instruction, Debbie Critchfield, right after the break.